0: All righty. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. Um, I wonder if I could get a copy of whatever books are left on my table. Some of you ushers, could you get those for me? Appreciate that. We are going to be showing you a couple of videos, so let's go ahead and run the beginnings. All right. So I think they'll run some pictures of Africa, other things like that. Um, Just before we get going, and you can turn to Hebrews chapter 4 if you want to, we have a few things that are still left. Um, If you have decided to get smart and not to be a victim anymore, then you realize that that doesn't come cheaply victory is not cheap it's not cheap in war it's not cheap in life to win something decisively to where the enemy cannot get up to fight you again takes a lot and I can tell you because this is my 51st year Of being in the ministry and I should never have been in the ministry in those early years but there was no one else available so God just does what he does with whoever says I'm here and that's basically my story (laughs) it's just no one else you know and I said I'll do it oh my gosh Uh, I could have ruined so many lives but uh (laughs) What can I say? The the truth is that being a Christian, a biblical one, because there's different kinds, not all Christians are biblical. But if you're a biblical Christian, meaning that Jesus is not just your Savior, he's also your Lord. He's your king, he's your master, he's your God, he's your general, he's your father. You know, all these elements of your relationship with God become very impacting and life-changing. There are reasons why you're unhappy because unhappiness is actually not part of the promise package. There's not any promises of being unhappy. There's just consequences of doing the wrong things that make you unhappy. And so if you don't learn and educate yourself Out of that poverty, because it is a form of poverty to be unhappy. Because honestly, the most invincible person is a person who no longer needs anything. As long as you need something, then you can be manipulated. But at the moment that your needs are met by God and Jesus becomes enough, that is when your integrity truly comes forth. That's when you stop lying. That's when you stop trying to impress people. That's when you stop playing games. It's when you're fully satisfied. And as long as you have wants and needs and desires that you believe Jesus cannot meet, then you're putting a noose around your own neck. Jesus and only Jesus can fully satisfy the longings of your soul no man ladies was given that power and if you look back in the garden one of the curses that came on women and it's an actual curse is her desire would be towards the man or in other words she would be unhappy unless she had the approval of a man This is a curse, not a blessing. When you become fully satisfied by Jesus, then you have the power to love a person unconditionally. Until you reach that point, you can't love a person unconditionally because you have bad motives, ulterior motives, and you actually want something from that person. So there are things you will do and things you won't do to get that approval. It's the same in business. It's in many areas, compromises everywhere. But in Christianity, you only steal from yourself when you do not make Jesus the center of your life. He is the one that has to sit on the throne of your heart. And at that point, you begin to truly flourish. Imagine being happy even if your husband doesn't change. (laughs) Did I speak heresy or something? I mean, (laughs) can that be, is, is is that a possibility? No, it's not just a possibility. It's actually the path. Because God never wanted you in the hands of an imperfect person. They are not your potter. And it's not smart to put your emotional world in the hands of a flawed and imperfect person. You need to take your emotions back. What does that mean? What is he saying? What could that be? I wonder. Am I not supposed to like you? What? No. It just means you're free to love without requiring payment. And until you can love without requiring reciprocation, you're still a bit in the spirit of prostitution. So we have to be careful not to prostitute ourselves in order to get what we want from someone because that ends up witchcraft. So what we want is we want to love Jesus with everything we have, find out the secrets so that we are not going all over the world chasing empty dreams and following empty gods. Hallelujah. I say all that to say that Teachings that change your life are worth investing in with your own heart. So letters from God for children, do that so you and your children can become one. Uh, Love fixes thing, that'll help you love all the miserable people that are in your life. The prophetic parent, that'll help you prophesy into your children a destiny that's worthy of who they are. Uh, woman define which I think there's only actually two left, but whatever is gone, you can order it there. And then untouchable, which is the precursor, the pre before this that I'm doing now is untouchable because it identifies all Satan's strategies and how to dismantle those. You may not know that Satan is trying to put a wedge between you and your wife, but it is his number one strategy. Divide and conquer that's his number one strategy and i've listed all 13 of them that appear in the bible from genesis to revelation and you will be trained and say we know what the devil's doing right now let's back up we're not going to let him divide us and destroy us hallelujah (laughs) go ahead and shake someone's hand welcome them to church and say, I've never seen somebody as amazing as you. <laughs> say, there's something fabulous about you. As, as we flow as we flow in the Holy Spirit tonight, different things will happen. But, uh, you know, as I was sitting there, I heard the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about the church. And I saw a picture of two very large wings, giant white wings. And uh, I would say bigger than the room, large wings. And then I saw thousands of hands lifted up like this. And the Holy Spirit told me very clearly, That as long as you worship God, sincerely, the wings of the dove will keep waving over the congregation. That building will be filled when you get in it. Turn to somebody and say, holla, holla. That's what I'm talking about. Two, that building's going to be paid off miraculously way ahead of schedule. Three, there is going to be a wave of people having their homes paid off here in this congregation. You're going to tell that testimony all over town, and people are going to say, I think I want to go there. Their motives for going will be impure to begin with, but remember, the bait is necessary sometimes to catch the fish. Not a lie, but a miracle. Hallelujah. Turn to two people next to you and say, In the name of the Lord, Lord. pay off my house, pay off my car, car. saith the Lord. Lord. Four, there is going to be a wave of the baptisms of the Holy Spirit in in homes in homes of the people your homes will become a temple for the miracles of God and you will be at home with curlers leading somebody into the baptism of the Holy Ghost and watching God heal their sick bodies and break their old ugly rusty chains right off their life right in your living room because your house is not a den of thieves your house is the dwelling place of the holy ghost it is a house of prayer it is a house of miracles it is a house of faith it is a house of the anointing of god six Within the next five years, there will be an unbelievable explosion of your family members getting saved. They will come right here to church. Some of them will stay and some of them will go, but many of your relatives are going to start getting saved. You won't realize why, but they are watching you. And they are smelling the quality of your fruit. Yes. Because, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, remember that the only reliable judge is fruit. Fruit. And number seven, many of you that are criminals. In your heart, you're a criminal. You're sneaky and treacherous. God is going to deliver you in the middle of the night. And those genes inside there that are criminal genes are going to shrink out of your body. And the power of salvation and the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. These are the great deliverances of the Holy Ghost. You can believe it. Or you don't have to believe it. That's up to you. I'm just throwing out the meat. you got to decide if you want to chew on it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So as we get into tonight, (coughs) the weapons of the Holy Spirit, uh, I want to tell you beforehand that my wife and I, with our six children and our 18 grandchildren, are dedicated to rescuing orphans. I... Hope you get to come to Guatemala and see these children. We're up to 200 children in Guatemala and about 1,500 children in Kenya that we help and are raising. This is a powerful thing, but it also takes a lot of partners and friends. Don't die without knowing the name of at least one child that you helped become a great human being. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your children are your children. You're expected to raise them. But God expects you to help orphans, widows, and the poor. Praise the Lord. I didn't decide to be an emissary of this. This is what God told me when I was 18 years old. He said, this is what I want you to do with your life. And so that's what I've been doing. So if you are a person and you say, you know, I'd like to help with orphans and widows, we have cards. They have the picture of a child, an orphan, and you take that picture and it's your picture, your prayer child. Back in the back, you have a card that you fill out. So for $90 a month, for example, you can feed one child for $90 a month, every meal. That's 90 meals A month or 30 or $10 or five but whatever you do if you sign up and you want to do that don't put a credit card on there that's going to expire in two months I'm just saying (laughs) Um, but if you're serious about that it would be a big blessing since we have so many new children and we need multiple multiple sponsors for every child realizing that we have chosen to give them the highest education. That means that our school, we have over 100 employees just in Guatemala and, and 200 children because they are children from the sex trade, 90% of them. This is not the same kind of child as a normal child with no parents. This is an abused child who's been violated over and over and treated like the lowest scum of the earth and to restore their dignity to make them feel like they're royalty this takes the prayers of thousands and thousands and thousands of people so I'm not just asking you to give money I'm asking you to pray for that child that's on your refrigerator and I'm asking you to come and see them we go every month except April and May pastors talking about bringing a team next year I hope he does because uh, I will be there if you come, but only if there's a hundred of you. Other than that, no, no. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. kidding. A little blackmail. Uh, But anyway, if you do want to help, ushers, do you have these? You do. You can raise your hand. The ushers have these cards. They'll give them to you. Fill them out as you can. Try not to take them home with you. Um, Leave them on the back there. Let's go and begin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So... We are going to go and begin with Hebrews 4 and verse 12 as we do that. Tomorrow night is our last service, and it's going to be our our giant anointing service, which means we will anoint every person that's here. Every single person, we're going to anoint you with oil, plus flowing in the gifts and doing all that, which we'll do tonight, we'll do tomorrow. And again, we have meetings uh, also for specialized people on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, But weapons, so let's talk about that. Do any of you own a weapon? Okay. Let me see your hands. Yes. so basically all the women... (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Um, But as you know... You, you have a weapon for protection because there are crazy people. I was watching on YouTube uh, over in Arizona where I preach in Tucson, that they have a lot of people there that, that come and, and they look for the garages to be open and then they just rush in, four or five people rush into the house break in, steal everything, with guns, and then leave. They picked the wrong house. This was a Marine. He had cameras everywhere. And when those boys got out of that car and went into his garage, all you could hear was ta 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 and everybody's running for their lives. Because when you're weaponized, you are not a victim. You determine what is going to be done to you and your family or not. This is why you need to be weaponized spiritually. Because if you're not weaponized spiritually, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you have nothing to defend yourself with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when I give you these weapons, I'm going to give you six of them tonight. And I'll try to give you seven tomorrow uh, out of the 30 but these are weapons that you need to master. If you are already happy with the way your life is going, you're not going to apply anything I'm going to say. You're basically doing this for your wife or for your husband or for people not to get mad at you. If you think you're already amazing just the way you are, then I cannot help you because I don't have help for healthy people. This is for people who know they need to go to another level. This is my job. In other words, if you're all perfect, what am I doing here? If you have everything, why need me? I'd rather go somewhere where people need something. This is the way it works. Those of you that have arrived, sit there and just glow. But the rest of us who still need help from God, perhaps you could listen since you're a member of the jury tonight. Hallelujah. We'll give you the weapons in threes. So the first three we're going to give you will be the Word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus. These are three, the three major weapons of a weaponized believer. Number one, the Bible does not help you if you don't read it. Number two, the Bible does not help you if you do not understand it. Number three, the Bible does not help you if you cannot dig out of it the mysteries the secrets and the superpowers that are inside the bible that are unlocked by a faith heart seeking believer your bible remains locked unless your heart is to know its truth and follow it god locks the bible and its inspirational illumination to you if you are not a sincere seeker OF ITS TRUTH. IF YOU'RE JUST LOOKING AT THE BIBLE TO READ IT AS A HISTORY BOOK, YOU WILL GET NOTHING OUT OF IT EXCEPT WHAT'S ON THE PAGES OF IT. BUT IF YOU SEEK THE WILL OF GOD AND SEARCH FOR THE WILL OF GOD, AND IF YOU ARE A TRUTH SEEKER, THAT'S YOUR IDENTITY AS A HUMAN BEING, YOU'RE A TRUTH SEEKER, YOU JUST SEEK TRUTH WHEREVER TRUTH MAY BE FOUND, AND YOU WANT THE TRUTH, NO LIVES. THEN WHEN YOU READ THE BIBLE FROM THAT PERSPECTIVE, THEN IT OPENS ITSELF UP TO YOU and reveals to you the hidden secrets that are in it since God wrote this book, and since the Bible is the mind of God, and since any thought God has is medicine. So anytime you hear someone say something that comes from the mind of God, it heals something sick inside you or opens a window in your soul that has been locked all of your life. The Bible, since it was written by God, breathed on by God, is an anointed book. It is a powerful book, Hebrews 4:12. The word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing and dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Psalm 1, 2 and 3, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season and his leaf shall not wither and whatever he doeth shall prosper. Jeremiah 15, 16, I found your word and ate it and it became for me the joy and the rejoicing of, Of my heart. Jeremiah 29, your word is in my bones like a burning fire, shut up on the inside of me, and I cannot hold it back. Psalm 107, verse 30, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Joshua 1 8, let not the book of the law depart out of your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. Be careful to do everything that is written therein, for then you will have success and prosperity. The word of the Lord is a light, it is a lamp, it is a fire, it is a hammer, it is a shield, it is water, it is honey. It is milk, it is bread, it is meat, it is a mirror, it is life everlasting, it is medicine, it is a cure, and it is the thing on which God acts upon if it lives inside you. The reason that the Bible is a weapon is because it protects you from all lies and deceptions of Satan in every area. If you decide one day that you want to have more than one wife and you say, honey, I like you, but I kind of am leaning towards this blonde, this brunette, and this gal over here, could we all be a happy family of five? You read your Bible and it says you will burn in hell forever from the fires of damnation. (laughs) Then you go, sorry, it's me and you, baby. So it's it's the Bible that keeps you from being deceived. And the Bible says Satan is the father of lies. It's his job to lie to you. Amen? So when you visit a church and everybody's smoking reefers and they're all saying it's great, we're all covered by the grace of God, understand, read your Bible, it's not okay to get high Unless you're high on the Holy Ghost. But if if Jesus is not enough, you're going for the reefer. The Word of God becomes then our guide, our standard. It becomes the thing on which our beliefs are based. Our faith is based on it. Our choices are based by it. It is how we decide whether we stay married or not. It is how we decide whether we were going to go to church or not. It's how we decide if we're going to forgive someone or not forgive them. It's how we decide whether we can marry someone or not marry someone. Because if Jesus is not your Lord, you will marry someone who doesn't even know Jesus just because you feel you love them when God told you don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever because they will be walking to the north and you will be walking to the south and one of you is going to win. The Bible is a sword. You use it on the devil like Jesus did Matthew 4, 4. He said, hey, make bread out of these rocks if you're the son of God. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if you don't master your Bible, and if you don't find a Bible you enjoy listening to, reading, and memorizing... You're going to be weak because the Bible is your food. So if you don't eat the Bible, you are a dehydrated, starving, in constant famine Christian. Famine is defined by short-tempered. This is how you know you're far from God is you're short-tempered. The second way you know you're far from God is you are a complainer. Turn to three people and say, man, I don't know why he's talking like that. My God, I wish he... How long is he going to preach? This is going to be all night. I got things to do. I'm going to miss that game. I forgot to record it. He's got 15 minutes or I'm out of here. So complaining is how you tell God you don't trust his plan for your life. It's also a sign that you're far from God. The third way you can tell that you're not in God's word is that sin is something that you enjoy. You're not grieved when you sin. You don't weep. You don't fall on your face and repent and cry. You enjoy it, and you just keep doing it. You have no... Inclination to repent of any kind. You might not even be saved if that's how you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Didn't feel the love on that. Praise God. So here we stand now. You must ask yourself this question. How much of the Bible have you memorized? And who told you that memorizing was not necessary? What stupid person told you that? (laughs) Because the Bible teaches it. Have you meditated on the Word of God? Which means to suck out of the Word of God the illumination rhema that applies to your specific life. Do you know the Bible well enough to lead a person to Jesus, to get somebody healed, to get someone delivered, to build your business on WHAT SCRIPTURES DO YOU USE TO GET YOUR BODY HEALED? HOW DO YOU HEAL YOUR MARRIAGE WITH THE BIBLE? HOW DO YOU MAKE SURE YOUR CHILDREN WON'T GO TO HELL BECAUSE YOU'RE TRAINING THEM IN WAYS THAT WILL PREPARE THEM TO NEVER EVER LIKE HELL? If you want to guarantee that a child won't go to hell, simply get them in the midst of miracles. Let them watch the lame walk and the blind see and let them do it with their own hands. And they will never want to have anything to do with that rotten, pathetic, Satan-dominated world. They will run from it once they see a blind eye open when they laid hands on them. All my children have been exposed to miracles their whole lives since they were little. I was in, in a Latin American country with one of my daughters. She was about nine. And a hunchback lady was walking by. And she told me, Papa, look, look, Papa, look. She said, please do something. I said, do you feel you should do something? Well, yes. I said, Go over there. Go pray for her. So my daughter, you don't have to believe me. She can tell you herself. My daughter went over there put her hand on the lady's big old hunchback to whisper something, and the back went down. The lady fainted, and my, my daughter fell on the ground. Everybody was reaping and crying. The whole hunchback just disappeared. So my daughter is a preacher. She's an evangelist worldwide because she was marked by the power of believing God's word. Turn to two people right now and say, Woo. <laughs> How often do you read the Bible? Do you get anything out of it? Do you go to bed watching R-rated movies or listening to the Bible? Because if you're gonna go to bed watching garbage, then expect garbage in your sleep and accept to be anointed by Satan with garbage. You'll have sexual dreams your whole life. All day long, you'll fantasize about everything. You'll be tormented by every tormenting demon there is in hell because you've exposed your holy mind to an unholy voice. You are a Christian called by God to live for God. Otherwise, go be an atheist. Just go serve the devil. Do whatever you want. But if you're going to be a Christian, at least be the kind that can have some success. Didn't feel the love much on that either. Praise God. Woo! Man, this wall's getting a lot. The Word of God then becomes a weapon that you use on yourself. You use it on your circumstances. You use it to make all your decisions. And you use it to form all your beliefs. The Word of God then becomes your comfort at night. Psalm 94 Verse 19, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your word delights and comforts my soul. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you bring your Bible to church? Do you write down what you believe God told you during that service? Do you keep a journal of what God tells you? And do you memorize what God tells you? Otherwise, you are receiving the grace of God in vain since God is providing answers for you for the questions you are asking, but you don't have the courtesy to write down the answer and remember it. Do you feel the love on that one either? Glory to God. Woo! Say, wow, I'm feeling a little nervous. What is church? Brothers and sisters, it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Well, obviously, the gates of hell are prevailing against a lot of churches because their gospel is so weak. Tell the truth, say it with me, and shame the devil. Say it to everybody around you tell the truth, shame the devil. So your children then should be raised on the Word of God. They should be able to have maybe a thousand scriptures by the time they're 18. Fully memorized, easily brought up to their memory because you have trained them in the way of the Word. It will become their number one book that they look to, depend on, and rely on, and quote to everyone they meet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you can't use the Bible as a weapon if you don't even know it. You can't just say the Bible. <laughs> no, you have to be specific. Isaiah fifty four, seventeen. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Tell that to everybody around you. So no weapon. Now you say, Ivan, mean, you, you're a little bit too specific. Like, where's your Bible? Well, you can be a hard nosed, stubborn person, but you're just operating in the spirit of witchcraft, which some of you have done since you were children. And this is how you get the preacher to shut up as you get offended at him. That's called being a child. Didn't feel the love on that either. Praise God. <laughs> Woo, Jesus, we're having fun tonight. So make a decision now, right now that you're getting back into the Bible. Make a decision right now and say, I'm going to be a Bible Christian. I'm going to be driven by the Bible. I'm not just going to go to church and listen to a sermon and forget it. I'm going to remember what God tells me when he tells me something. And remember this, he'll probably just tell you two things from every message. But if you hear pastor preach 50 times in a year, that's 100 things God has told you. And if you can remember those 100 things because you memorize them, you are 100 times more powerful than you were before that year came to an end. And if you do it every year, you will be 1,000 times more powerful. And if you do it for the rest of your life, you will be a lean, mean preaching machine full of the Holy Ghost and the power of God <laughs> and all kinds of miracles will happen through your life you see when God comes to bless you he's looking for faith but God since God cannot trust you because you're flawed he doesn't look to you he doesn't say oh I'm coming to you he says no 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 he looks inside you and says where am I in there because the one person God can trust is himself so he looks for the word in you. The word is God's mind. So God says, there I am. And he can partner with himself and bring you the blessing. Yeah. So if you're a wordless Christian, you're a defenseless, naked, powerless human being. In a war where the person you're fighting is a butcher and a cannibal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Two, we got the word, now we got the name. Everybody say the name. This is a powerful thing because the name of Jesus, according to the Bible, Philippians 2.10, is not like your name. If I go to a demon and say, in the name of Bob, come out, (laughs) nothing will happen. If I say, be healed in the name of Jesus, nothing, in the name of, uh, of Jerry, nothing will happen. But the name of Jesus only works when you have faith in the name. This is the difference. You can, you can say the name of Jesus, but nothing's going to happen if you actually don't have faith in the power that's in that name. Well, Philippians 2.10 tells us this, that he has been given a name. God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things under the earth that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, Acts 3.16. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of all of you. The disciples find a crippled man They say silver and gold, have I not? But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. If you don't develop faith in the name, then the name is just as powerless as yours is. Your prayers have to go and say, God, give me faith in the name because all the power of heaven and earth and under the earth is in the name. When you say in the name of Jesus, I command every devil to get out of my house, they must leave. When you say in the name of Jesus, all my children will get saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and serve God till the day they die. That has to happen because it is the will of God, it is in the Bible, and it is the plan of God, and you are not acting out of presumption or foolishness or self-interest. Because God cannot bless what is not what he has not spoken. You can say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to marry that woman even though she's married. I'm sorry, that's just not going to work for you. In the name of Jesus, I command a fleet of Mercedes-Benz. I'm sorry, that's just not going to work. God doesn't feed greed. He feeds generosity. So when you give, you never give to get. That's greed. But when you give, you, get to have, you give to have so you can give. That's the motive God can bless. That's why prosperity... Has been made unholy Because greed has been preached But if you preach it the way God said it Give so you can have so you can give Then God will open the windows of heaven And send you all the money that you can use To rescue everybody To bless orphans, take care of widows Take care of the poor Build a local church and pay off the church Even before you get in the building Because that is to the glory of God And the power of almighty God Come on Somebody say hallelujah If you're going to be famous, be famous for helping people. Don't be famous for having gigantic houses. Be famous for having given millions away and kept just what you need to be blessed. Hallelujah. Shake someone's hand and say, I like the way he preaches. I, I like him. I like Brother Ivan. If you're not using the name of Jesus to bless your children and their ability to learn at school and to study, you are wasting the name. If you're not using the name to heal your marriage and drive out all the wedges that Satan has put between you and your husband or wife, if you're not saying, I dissolve those wedges, I dissolve that pain, I dissolve those memories, I dissolve that heartache, I dissolve that misery, I dissolve those horrible words we said to each other, in the name of Jesus, I dissolve them by the power of the name of Jesus. If you don't do that, if you don't use it on yourself, when you look in the mirror and say, you're not stupid, you're just mildly affected. That's a step up. But you look in the mirror and you say, I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to love Jesus. I will not be a liar or a deceiver. I will not be an opportunist, and I will not exploit anybody. In the name of Jesus, I will have a pure heart, a sincere spirit. I will love unbiasedly and unconditionally all human beings, no matter who they are or what they have done. I will be people's divine appointment. I will be a chain breaker. I will be a hospital for the wounded. I will be one that builds up and doesn't tear down. Do you understand what I am doing? You see, this is the power of the name of Jesus. You start speaking that about yourself, and just hearing those words about yourself in the name of Jesus will literally revolutionize who you will be in the years to come or 10 years from now, you can be on Bud Light and you can be drunk and you can be poor with two or three wives already gone down the drain or husbands. Use the name of Jesus to clean your house out of all the demons, nightmares, anxious sleep, restlessness, all fighting in the family. Use it on all the lost relatives you've got. Tell them to their face. Hey, you know, I'm praying for you in the name of Jesus. You're going to get saved. I said this to my oldest brother. He was a fall down drunk. I got saved and I said, hey, by the way, you're going to get saved. Born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be a preacher. And he would just laugh. (laughs) Twelve years I did it. Every time I saw him. Pretty sure. (laughs) One morning he calls me at two in the morning. He wakes me up from a deep, sweet sleep. (laughs) I picked up the phone. I said, Hello? He said, My family name is Buddy. He said, Buddy. He said, It happened. I said, Who is this? This is your brother. I said, Why are you calling me at two o'clock? Why don't you just wait till the morning? Well, blah, 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 blah. I couldn't wait. I just had to tell you. I was watching TV and some preacher was on there named Shamrock or something like that. It's a preacher named Shambach. And he said, and I I gave my life to Jesus. And then what is all this? I said, oh, you're speaking in tongues!" My God. Hey. And I hung up on him. He said, hey, this just happened to you now. I've been praying for this for 12 years. You can wait till morning to talk to me. In the name of Jesus, you'll have a good marriage. In the name of Jesus, none of your children will fall away from God. In the name of Jesus, your business will be so successful that you'll need to duplicate and replicate and reproduce it all over the country. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Look at two people and say, Hala, Hala, can we really do that? Absolutely. Why can you do that? Because it is the will of God. That's why you can do it. It's the will of God. We're not inventing the will of God. We're not forcing God to say things. We're not manipulating God. We're simply repeating what we know to be His will. That's the only place the name works. Now, if you're religious, you're going to go crazy after this. And everywhere you go, name of Jesus, name of Jesus. Name it Jesus. It doesn't work like that. You can't just be driving with your husband and say, in the name of Jesus, you will not have gas. In the name of Jesus, it will dry up in you, consume within you, shrug right up. And... Doesn't work like that. Just giving you some examples of ridiculousness. Remember that we are in a sacred walk, so things must be sacred. Yeah. And so you want to do it in a sacred way. Yeah. Hallelujah. We have the blood of Jesus. Turn to seven or eight people and say, the blood. blood. Hallelujah. Everybody lift your hands and praise God a little bit and say, thank you, God, for the blood. Come on, everybody. Say, thank you, God, for the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, the blood of the Lamb. So as we, we look at Exodus twelve twenty three, one of the beginnings of the manifestations of the power of the blood. Why is the blood a weapon? Why is it so powerful? It's a very powerful weapon. The Bible says in Exodus twelve twenty three put the blood on the doorposts and lintels when they were in Egypt. The angel of death is coming tonight, but if he sees the blood, he will pass by. If the blood is not on the door and lintels, the angel of death is coming in and he's going to kill the firstborn of the family. These are all metaphors for later life. But think about this. The blood of Jesus when he shed that blood is not human blood. It's the blood of God. Otherwise, there would be no salvation if Jesus was a flawed, sinful human. But Jesus is God, therefore your value is based on the price that was paid for you. And if the price paid for you is God himself, then you are worth what God is worth to himself. And this is a value given to you whether you are saved or unsaved. It is the value that God has for the whole entire world and every person in it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We are talking about the blood of God and the power that it holds in heaven and on earth and in the face of all the armies of Satan. If you use the blood like a weapon, Meaning this, before you talk to God, why is it you can even talk to God since you are still sinning? Because you say, I come before the throne by the blood of the Lamb. And once you say that, once you say I come by the blood of the lamb, the blood goes before you and blocks out your sin from God and you are covered with forgiveness in the blood of the lamb. And because of the blood of the lamb, you're able to have a relationship with a holy God while you are still in the midst of being transformed. This is a power position. So God shed his blood. And gave you perfect pricelessness you're priceless let's say that to everybody tell the people behind you hey you're priceless the next time you feel like a dog the next time you feel worthless the next time you feel sorry for yourself simply remember what your value is simply remember I am priceless I had nothing to do with my value. The person that bought me set my value and my value was set by the price he paid and the price he paid was himself. I am worth every human being has this value given to them by almighty God. That's why there's nobody like Jesus in the whole universe. Buddha cannot give you that value because he's a sinner. No one else can. Do you know that the demons are scared of the blood so that if you go home tonight and say we're going to have an application service, we're going to apply the blood to the doors of our houses. We're going to apply the blood on our children so they're demon free and they have immunity from demonic attack. We're going to apply the blood to our business so they cannot fail. My business is God's business, so I apply the blood on that business, and now it will have success. You see, without the blood, you are vulnerable to Satan attacking you. But when he sees the blood at your door, all the demons say, let's pack our bags and get the holla holla out of here because there's a saint, a Christian, a believer living in that house. The blood allows you to be justified before God. And another, over 70 other blessings. Use the blood. It's a weapon. When you feel strife in the home and fighting, go to a corner and say, Lord, I apply the blood right now over my family. We're going to drive out all this strife and division and disunity. When you're out there being tempted by the devil, just say, I apply the blood to myself right now. I will not give in to that temptation. I will not be that person. I will not pursue that darkness. I walk away from it in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb. I stand on You see how the weapons are all being used? And you walk away from darkness like Joseph walked away from his boss's wife. Hallelujah. Give someone a high five and say, I need to use the blood. (laughs) Also, since the blood protects you, use it when you get on a plane. Use it when you get in your car tonight. Use it when your children go to school. Put the blood all over them so no maniac will come in there and hurt anybody. Apply the blood to everything. We go to weapon number four in threes. Love, faith, and holiness. The three next weapons, very powerful. Faith, love, and holiness. We read in Hebrews 11, you can read the whole chapter, that by faith they were able to do all these incredible miracles. 1 John 5.4 says, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Mark 11, 22 and 23 says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will speak to the mountain and the mountain will be removed. Faith then is something you have to develop as a a weapon. The way you build faith is by hearing faith-filled stories. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more that you expose yourself to the miraculous, the more supernatural the faith weapon becomes. Pretty soon, by faith, things are happening supernaturally for you. You're actually building an entire life and ministry based on the weapon of faith. Faith, the Bible says, is a shield by which you can repel the fiery darts of the evil one. Hallelujah. Faith is built by the Word of God. Therefore, you must memorize every scripture in the Bible that makes you feel faith and motivates and inspires you. Fill yourself up with it and then start speaking it all the time. You will find yourself doing crazy things with supernatural results. I'm preaching in a church in Wales over in the UK. I'm speaking there. There is, I don't know how many people, two or three hundred people. I'm preaching... I'm looking, I look out the window and there's a steel building there and rusting. So I stopped and I said, what is this? And then the pastor said, well, that's a building we started like 10 years ago, but we ran out of money. And the spirit of, 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 of holy rage rose up inside me. I said, that is the devil. I said, we're going to stop right now and take an offering And I'm believing God we're going to build that building, pay it off, and do the whole thing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I don't just do this all the time. But the spirit of faith was there. I said, take up the offering and tell me how much it is from 150, 250, something like that people. They took the offering up. They told the pastor he fell on the ground. I said, come and tell me. It's either really high or really low. I said, How much money actually came in? And they told me in American dollars it was $2.5 million. They finished the building, we dedicated the building, all glory to God. Somebody shout hallelujah and say, By faith, say it out loud, "By by faith, by faith. You are saved through grace by faith. God does all the hard work, but you got to believe it. you got to actually give God permission to save you by believing that what he did can save you. Hallelujah. And that is called faith. Do you have faith that God will heal you? Do you have faith that he will save your daddy and your mama? Do you have faith that he will bless your business? Do you have faith that your marriage will be beautiful and you will become a weapon in the hands of God as a couple? Do you believe that you will not be hindered all your life by your personality, by your insecurities, by your fear? Do you believe that by faith he can break you out of that prison? Break you out of that jail? Do you have faith to believe that he can show you your destiny? You can fulfill it and do it and live it and be it because you have faith in God and faith has the power to move mountains. Glory to God. We then have love. Everybody look at somebody and say, I love you. I love you. <laughs> we find that love is one of the greatest weapons. Second Thessalonians 5.8, love is like a breastplate. Put on love as a breastplate. It's protection. Whatever you love ceases to be your enemy and loses its power to hurt you. Whatever you hate, you empower to destroy you. Satan's job is to make you a hater so he can destroy you. God's job is to make you a pe- a person that loves people. Because then you will become a fountain of health and wealth. If you can't be offended, You cannot be controlled. Everybody raise your hand and say, Hallelujah, Brother Ivan. That was awesome. Okay. So in the humblest way, let me, let me say this to you. That faith then becomes an actual school that you must enter. And say, Lord, teach me to walk by faith. Teach me to live by faith. Teach me to talk by faith. Teach me to believe by faith. And go inside of me and take out the unbeliever. Jesus went to his own hometown, and it says he could not do any big miracles because of their unbelief. Unbelief, therefore, can be as powerful as faith. It can stop the hand of God. So, if you're full of doubt and unbelief, you will stop God from being able to answer your prayers. This is not a cheap thing that I'm showing you this week. Some of you may be overwhelmed because, wow, this seems like a lot of work. Oh my, jeez, Lord have mercy. I got to read the Bible now? I mean, I got to love everybody? I can't complain. What's the fun in that? I can't drink Bud Light. What are you talking about? i got to chase me some women. I'd never be happy like that. No, because you're a fool. And that's what fools do. Fools talk themselves out of being blessed. Look at two people and say, man, I'm glad he wasn't talking to me when he said that. Praise God. That must have been for you. First Corinthians 13. Without love, the Bible says, you're like an ugly-sounding symbol. Even if you have all knowledge so you can understand all mysteries, all faith so you can move mountains, even if you give your body to be bur- burned, and even if you feed all the poor, if you don't have love, you're nothing the number one sign that you're close to God is your ability to be sweet to mean people. Everybody say, that's it? I can't handle this anymore. Praise God, (laughs) I'm out of here. So far, I'm not saved, I'm not blessed, I'm not anything, I'm totally lost. My God, am I doing anything right? Yes, you showed up for church. Remember, an encounter with God. So, truth brings you to a place of encountering God. Hallelujah. You got to love people. We are only as close to God as our ability to love the most difficult person in our life. Put on number two the most difficult person in our life. This is the test. If your ability to love people is so bad that you can't even love the people that love you, you might not be saved. You might just be religious. Christianity is not a cheap thing. If you really want to have these blessings, it's a lifestyle. It's a full, fully engaged conversation with God that never stops all day long it isn't even hard if you just do what he tells you it's only hard when you resist God hallelujah look around and say I love you you. tell five or six people I love you (laughs) I love you I really love you Love is a weapon, then, because it disarms all your enemies. Anything you love, you remove its power from affecting your life. If you love bad people, then God opens the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing that you cannot contain. Love saved my life. I was chasing a girl. I was 17. And I mean chasing her, following her home, like a stalker or something. And she turned around and she said, are you following me? I said, yes. She said, why are you following me? She says, because I love you. She says, you love me? She says, yes, I love you. She goes, you want to talk to me? I said, yes, I'd like to talk to you. She gave me a book that was this thick. No cover on it, torn, ripped, writing. She said, read this. And when you're done, I'll talk to you. I said, read this. You'll talk to me? Talk? Okay. I'm going to go sit down over here at this tree, and I'll be right back. <laughs> this book was the Bible. The Bible. My mother had told me since I was little, never read the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, you will go crazy. Only a priest can interpret the Bible for you. So if I had known it was a Bible, there is no way I would have touched that book. I was terrified of the Bible. My mother made me scared because she believed it. She had a little Bible with a lock on it. And she just held it in church. And I would look at her and just. I said, mom, why do you have that book in the house? She said, it's locked. We're all weird in different ways. She meant well. She loved me and she truly believed it. It opens to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. By verse 5, I was screaming so loud. Because for the first time in my life, I felt the love of God. And I stayed there weeping for three hours as demons came out of my body. Within three months, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I had led 88 athletes to Jesus. And we were all carrying family-sized Bibles to church, to school. The entire football team was carrying big... Who's going to say anything to us? I built it, we built an entire church out of that. Because love is the most powerful force. It is the greatest weapon you will ever use on your husband, on your wife, and on your children. All you got to do is find out what makes your wife feel loved. You can't just be like average. You have to say... This is a very particular person. For my wife, for example, her love language is work. I come home, let's say 1,000 or 2,000 people got saved that week. And I walk in feeling like Billy Graham. She has the list. You're home, I love you. Get to work. She's full-blooded German, and she just can't stop working. (laughs) Two in the morning. (laughs) I you're driving me crazy. Well, join me. (laughs) We go to our final thing for tonight, and that is the weapon of holiness. Look at three or four of you around. Say to everybody, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, (laughs) heaven and earth are filled with your glory. So we know then that God is a holy God. And that without holiness according to what the Bible teaches us no man shall see the Lord. And this is a powerful statement. Let me read that scripture to you as it is a life-changing scripture. Hebrews 12:14 Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one to another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even as our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. This is our sixth weapon. It is the weapon of holiness, Why is holiness a weapon and what is holiness? Because lots of us do not know what holiness actually is. So we're going to explain it to you as there is morality and then there is holiness. They are not the same thing. Most of us are living our lives trying to be moral. So anybody can be moral. A Mafia Don can be moral because morality is an educated choice to avoid negative consequences. So the reason you don't kill somebody is because you have children and you want to actually watch them grow up. It's not because you don't want to kill somebody. The reason you don't rob a bank is because you don't want to go to jail and have crazy things done to you. The reason you don't commit adultery is because in the middle of the night on one crazy rainy evening, your wife looked at you and said, if you commit adultery, I'll kill you while you're sleeping. Look at two people around you and say, he really knows what he's talking about. I I have already told my husband that. And other more graphic things, which I cannot say in the company of such holy individuals. But you know what I'm t- saying. Clip, clip. So, <laughs> let's, let's all just think about what I'm t- saying. Holiness is not the same as morality. So, morality is your will deciding to avoid certain consequences. Morality is taught in the Bible because it is the first step to holiness. But it is not holiness. Because you can actually do it with your own willpower. Holiness does not come from you. Holiness comes from God. And let me explain the difference. You being moral, if that's all you ever are as a Christian, you're basically going to live a life where you're saying no to all the things you want to say yes to. And so you will be really unhappy because you're constantly having to say no to the reefer, no to the pornography, no to the lying, no to the affair, no to this, and you're going to be so miserable. But you'll be moral. But you'll never get the wrestling to stop on the inside. You'll be torn all your life. Holiness, what is it? Oh, this is different because you see when, you, when holiness enters your life, this is the result of you fellowshipping with God and God and you becoming interwoven. You become so close to God that he reaches his hand down and takes the desire to drink out of you. So you don't have to avoid anything. You simply no longer have the desire to do it because you have a chained holiness. This means you can watch the beer commercials and your mouth no longer waters because holiness has been placed where a wicked iniquity was before. You can be holy in one area and not in five others because holiness is a compartmentalized event that happens in every section of your life. What happens when holiness takes place? Deuteronomy 30, verse 6 God takes the scalpel, circumcises your heart, and removes the thing in it that wants to do something bad. So, where you're no longer capable of doing it, because holiness has taken its place. This is why holiness is not how you dress, it's not putting a thing on your head or wearing long dresses. Or you know and it's interesting to me why is it all the women that have to dress weird and the guys look like bums (laughs) at least the Amish all look the same (laughs) so holiness unless it enters the church the women will never be free because denominations enslave women and women allow it to happen because they would rather have a happy family with a little bit of slavery for an hour or 45 minutes on a Sunday and then when they get home, they run the show. It's not like you're a big macho man. Wait till you get in the car. Your wife will tell you. The big leader. So holiness then becomes a very sacred encounter with God Where all the bad things in you are removed. And the battle is over. And until that happens, you're going to be fighting. And wrestling. Hatred, anger, rage, wrath, criticism, complaining, perversion, whatever it might be. This is why it's a weapon. Because when you stand in holiness, it is a place Satan cannot go. No demon can go there. And you will not do anything to hurt anybody because holiness has been put in your life. You will not sleep with people. You will not watch things. You will not say things out of your mouth that represent Satan. Satan is a cusser and a profane person. There's no cussing in heaven. Nobody's going to throw the finger at you in heaven. There's no complaining up there no griping, and there are no control freaks in heaven. There's no intimidators, seducers, flatterers, or insincerity. And there are no racists in heaven. Anybody who hates a person they do not know for how they look is going to hell. Didn't feel the love on that? Little heavy duty right there. Big bomb right there. Boom! Blew the whole thing to pieces. So holiness then is where we go to get you out of control and to get God in control. Satan cannot touch you where holiness has been placed in you. This is a weapon. Holiness draws the presence of God, the power of God, and the glory of God can everybody say hallelujah? hallelujah let's take a praise break everybody and say praise God come on praise him a little bit and say I'm six weapons powerful Woo! I'm six weapons powerful